Talk Shop fans, it's Helen O'Brien, host of Talk Shop Podcast. This podcast highlights various career paths and jobs where you necessarily do not need a four-year college degree, where a college degree is not a requirement to uh, apply for a position. With me on episode 14 are Serge and Jason. They are entrepreneurs. Grab a cup of coffee, because these guys like to talk. Now, let's jump in and talk shop. Today, I have with me Serge and Jason from BuzzHive Marketing. Both uh, Serge and Jason have their own company, and um, we're going to talk to them a little bit today about how they got started. Uh, you know, in today's world, they are known as entrepreneurs, um, but they're self-starters, and they started their own business. So, hi, guys. Thanks for joining me today on talk shop. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, let's go back to high school days. Um, you know, I don't know who wants to go first, um, but what happened? So I assume you both graduated unless you're a couple of hooligans. No. Barely, barely. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, this, those of you listening, this is Serge. That's my voice. That's yes. the one that barely graduated. <laughs> and this is Jason. And I might uh, slip into my Southern accent every once in a while. So you'll know that's me versus whatever Serge is. <laughs> um, so I'm older. So I, uh, uh, high school was a lot farther away for me. But I did graduate uh, high school. I'll tell you this. I, was, I always got great grades all the way through middle school. Um, but never really had to work very hard. I know it sounds like I'm saying I'm awesome. That's not what I'm saying, but I never really had to work very hard and school wasn't difficult. Then I got to high school and they required you to do things outside of school. And I failed all of my advanced placement classes <laughs> that I was in because I just did not do the homework because I had not been trained to do homework because I had made it through without ever studying at all. That did not help me in in high school in public in public high school so yeah it probably didn't okay. yeah so i failed i mean like six classes <laughs> well five classes that first semester and got out of those advanced placement classes graduated high school but then i was completely behind um so i uh i had to take like three math classes one semester like back to back to back because it had just messed everything up and in high school, I realized I do not like this at all. And so going into college sounded like a really bad idea um, to me. So we, so I didn't want to go, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I knew I didn't want to go to college and do a lot of core classes, like four more years of the four years that I had just done. I did not want to do that anymore. So I don't know if you want me to go much farther past that, but that's what high school looked like for me. All right. So Serge, you're up. Uh, interestingly enough, Jason, I didn't know that about you, but junior high school and or middle school and high school, I have the same story almost. I didn't know that about him. So I just found out something new. Um, <laughs> I, middle school, I went to a, um, um, like a, a private school for my, my parents were worried that I was going to be a bad kid. So they, they took me out of public school and they're like, Middle school is well really, really, what? That was well-founded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, middle school is a tricky time. We're going to put you into public, uh, private school. And um, I did really well in private school, so much that I, I, I 
went to seventh grade and then the teachers there, I was excelling so, so much that I was doing everything above my level. Like I was doing eighth grade, everything. And they came to my parents and said, look, uh, you're, he's doing eighth grade level every subject. Um, if you're interested, we can pass him through to ninth grade. So I skipped eighth grade, went back to public school and then just nosedive <laughs> into like C's and D's. <laughs> And I was, my parents were like, what just happened? You just skipped a grade and now you barely survived with this one. I mean, there's a lot of different things that might've uh, played into that, but same thing with like Jason, like I just didn't, high school wasn't um, maybe transition or from, you know, we moved as well. So like, it was just a lot of different things. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't do like didn't fail, but I was barely, barely surviving L later as the, you know, years, progressed you know sophomore junior senior year I managed to uh get out of that rut I was in and like kind of pulled the last last year I was doing fine and then I started taking college classes while I was in high school like the evening classes more like to my my parents were just really focused on me going to college and I was a I was a good kid I guess to listen to my parents what they wanted me to do <laughs> uh so I was like I'm gonna go to college right now then if you want me to do that and so I took I didn't take like really difficult classes in while in high school but I took like classes that started to introduce me to college so I you know um part-time co college while finishing senior year and then um went into college and then uh, I don't know if, like you said you were kind of sticking to the high school section or part of it but the college years were a little bit different but yeah the high school and junior high school is very similar to Jason's it was as a wild up and down the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you guys graduate and then what happens? Serge, you went off to community college. Um, yeah, I went to community college. My mom was a nurse and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was like, look, it's, it's a good job. Oh, maybe I'll be nurse practitioner or physician's assistant. And it's funny to me how like different my mind works now is like the goals that I have now as an entrepreneur business owner like they're high and the goals that I had in college were low, not because I was like underachiever but because I just didn't, wasn't really passionate about it. So I was like, I don't want to go to school for eight years for this thing. And I don't really know if I'm going to like, it's a good job. It's a good career. It's a good thing to do. Helps people. Like I was thinking of that, but I wasn't really like passionate or like energized by it. So I, my goals were like, I think my goals reflected that I was like, I just want to get through this so I can make money and work and have a good job. So I went to, uh, did all the nursing prereqs and I got to the, the part where I was supposed to apply to like the program. And while I was doing that, I was playing drums. Like, I, I played music my, like my teens and I really fell in love with playing music. And I, right before applying for the program, I realized, look, I'm going to have to give up this thing that I really like and I'm really passionate about. Um, to do basically the next two years, I'm going to be completely consumed by the program and I cannot do the thing that I love to do. And I have to do this thing that I might like, and it's just going to be a good job, but I'm not, I don't care about it. And I had to make a decision, which was like, my parents were surprised by it. They were like, look, you want to drop out of college? I'm like, well, I'm not dropping out. I'll finish. I'll get my AA. I pretty much had like two AA degrees because I had, I took uh, art and, and a lot of music and stuff. I, just for fun, for, for my own, you know, prerequisites. Um, and then I took all the science classes. So I had a, a, a associates in science and associates in arts. Um, 
And I was so not interested in that stuff. I didn't even pick up my diplomas. I was like, okay, cool, thanks. And I would never quite <laughs> got them. It just wasn't, it wasn't, a th- wasn't a thing for me that I cared about. So I dropped, not dropped out, but I finished college. AA degree is nothing or AS degree. Um, Some people, it's a big deal. Well, yeah. For, well, for the things that I wanted to do, I, that wasn't going to take me. It was basically the end of that road. It wasn't like, I finished this. Now I'm going to use this to get a job. Of course, right. they're not, not, they're not nothing. I don't mean to um, like de- demote that uh, qualification or that degree, but I just, it wasn't, I wasn't going to do anything with it. So for me, it, for me, it was just like, you know, a napkin on a table. It didn't do anything for me sure. um, because I didn't want to do anything with that career. Um, so I dropped out. My dad was trying to, um, my dad was a truck driver. My parents are immigrants and I'm also an immigrant from Ukraine. So they were kind of, you know, growing as immigrants and my dad wanted to start a trucking business, but he didn't have, um, the skills, not the skills, but he didn't have like the computer skills and the language barrier was those issues. And he said, look, you want to drop out of high school or college? Um, I knew I wanted to do something with music and, or, or business. I just didn't know what it was exactly. Um, and I was, he said, look, if you want to do that, how about you, if you want to help me start this business, um, that will, you'll be doing something and then you can figure out what you want to do as, as we do that. So I basically at 19, I think it was, I started the business with him and I um, basically built that business with him doing the things that he didn't know how to do. And he did the trucks and the service and the driving. We had, six trucks so i dispatched and did everything i learned how to like just jumped into business and that was my segue into kind of entrepreneurship and what, what we do now um back then wow that's very cool there's more to it but we only have <laughs> a little bit of time yeah. uh my story is crazy it's all over the place uh my <laughs> senior year of high school my mom really wanted me to go to college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so she, my mom was great. She was trying to help me figure out what I wanted to do, but I did not know what I wanted to do because I kind of feel like you shouldn't be figuring out what you want to do when you're 18. Cause that's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> but so I, I liked playing music and I was an artist. That was it. That's all I knew. So I grew up in Atlanta, still live in that area. And so I applied and toured and all kinds of things at the uh, Atlanta School of Art and Design. Yeah. And Savannah College of Art and Design. I, the Atlanta ones got a different name. I just said that wrong. It's AI. I can't think of what it's called. But Art Institute of Atlanta. That is, that's what it's called. Um, and so I toured those. I toured a school in Nashville for music. And all those things were awesome. I applied and I got accepted to all three did not want to do any of those. <laughs> I just, I just didn't know what I want to do. I kind of felt like I wanted to maybe uh, be a producer, maybe, but that, that was not a thing. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So went through that whole process. When I graduated high school, I graduated, you know, uh, maybe like on a Saturday. And then on Sunday, I went and interned at a company in Colorado, uh, had nothing to do with either one of those things. It was a, it was a ministry thing. It was a, well, I'm, I've always been super cool. And so this is going to be some, some more evidence of how uh, cool I've always been, but that, that, yeah, company, <laughs> that company primarily did, uh, did things with puppets. All right. So they had puppets for ministry. It was all children's ministry type things. So they had all kinds of resources 
everything that you can think of for performing and all kinds of things. And so I went and interned at that company. I made puppets. I performed puppets. I worked in the warehouse. I did all kinds of things. Um, so I learned kind of how this big machine worked. And then we did travel and did some touring things. And I enjoyed part of that, but I knew that was not what I wanted to do. So they offered me a job and I said, no. <laughs> um, and I came back home, did not know what I wanted to do. So I got a job with someone. He, he was a bass player. I played drums with him and uh, he had an opening at a high end woodworking, like a cabinet cabinetry shop. And so I started working with him, learned how to do that wound up in the first year I was basically the foreman he I learned a lot from him about how to not run a business <laughs> he didn't he didn't want to run a business he wanted to play bass and um, I ran his business like a 19 year old guy running this guy's business was probably not a great idea but I learned so much there kind of like you Serge I brought a computer into that place we started doing all the drawings on there we did everything from the computer and I was like this just makes sense so then because he was such a bad business owner, he would get a deposit from um, a customer and then go on vacation <laughs> instead of buying the things that we needed to build the kitchen. Um, hey, is that why we do that? Is that why we do that? We do not do that. <laughs> um, so, so I learned a lot. So I, I thought I am just going to do this myself. I'm going to be my own person, blah, 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 start my own business. And I just, I had it all out on paper and I was like, I only need this many people to come in and it's just going to work flawlessly. Well, that same year I got married. Um, that was a long time ago. I'm super old. Uh, we, it was actually my anniversary yesterday um, and it was our 18th anniversary. So that long ago, um, I got married that year. We got married in December and February. My wife and I uh, were on staff at a church. Okay. So then we were on staff at a church for a while. Then uh, we got pregnant, wanted to move back home. Then we were on staff at a church that I, we had both kind of grown up in. Um, we did that for a while. Then while working there, we started a nonprofit and we ran that nonprofit for a long time. So we left the church, ran that nonprofit for a long time, still are involved with that nonprofit. We just aren't as, um, uh, daily involved with that, but, then nonprofits don't make money. I don't know if you knew that. It's kind of in the name, but we didn't really know that. I didn't make uh, any money, the nonprofit. And so I was working at Starbucks, which I loved. I loved working at Starbucks, but they don't pay much either. I might as well have just been working for the nonprofit. Um, but I became a shift manager there and then a, a store manager. I loved working there. I loved all the benefits. I loved a free pound of coffee every week. It was an amazing thing. I loved 30% off. That was great. But uh, that was not a lifelong kind of thing for us. So I went back to work for another cabinet shop. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then a job opened up for me with skill sets that I just had that I didn't really know I had. And it was working for a manufacturer that made hard hats. They were one of the five manufacturers of hard hats in the country. And I got a job taking people's logos and separating that artwork for pad printing on the hard hats. I don't know if you, it's like screen printing, but it's picking up the ink on a pad and then putting it on the hard hat, three colors at a time. That was my whole job. That's what I was hired to do was to take that artwork on the computer, separate it, and then make layouts for people to see what it would look like. Within a month, I was working on their catalog. Within two months, I was working on their website. I did not know how to do any of those things. I knew how to use a computer and kind of do some of those things. I'd made websites before, but using tools, I didn't know. Um, that that anybody could use. I 
asked Google how to do everything. And so every time somebody would come to my cubicle and say, Jason, can you do this? I would say yes. And then I would ask Google how to do it. And I just learned how to do that. And so that company was great for me, helped me learn all kinds of things. When I left there, well, so I started freelancing. So I started, I enjoyed what I was doing. So I started freelancing and I was making more money freelancing than working um, at, the, at the job I had. When I left there, they replaced me with four people and I was still freelancing for them. So I was doing a lot of things, which I'm not patting myself on the back about that. I'm saying I had the opportunity to learn a lot of things there that has helped us grow BuzzHive to what it is today. Now I can tell you more about after that, or do we need to stop right there with that part of the story? Because I could keep going. Well, that is a lot of information, Serge. What's going on? I did give my timeline as far as Jason did all all the way up until, you know, BuzzHive, but I had a very similar, like all kinds of different career paths, like so many different, I've done, you know, real estate, trucking, you know, music, full-time music, education music, running a music school, multiple music schools. So I, I didn't go into that deep, but I just find it really important to mention that because like our time, our, our history and our like backgrounds are very similar in a way, but I, I think that's what makes us really good partners is we're, we've kind of grown up in the same way as in terms of the business side of things, not, not culturally, not culturally, not um, in terms of like our families or anything like that necessarily. Some things are very similar. Like we're both, you know, Christians and we both grew up in church. So those things are similar, but obviously I'm an immigrant. Jason's born here, different. But the similarities, I even just hearing him explain, I've heard the story before and, but they're very similar. Like we always say yes. And we always learn skills along the way that end up, you don't even know when you're going to use them. So I always say like learning skills or even going to college, like I necessarily, I don't necessarily use those skills, but it's never a waste. No matter what you do, it's never a waste because it's, it, it, it enhances you on some level. It improves who you are. It adds another layer to you. You, you end up, you know, p- d- reaching back deep into those roots at times when you don't even know you're going to need them either for an analogy or experience. Like, I mean, we have clients that are, there are logistics companies and I know how to speak that language so well that like it really helps us because I understand that world so well um, or real estate or J- Jason with, you know, all, all, all the different things he's done. Like I'll, I'll hear of some kind of a new client or like, you know, we're talking to a client. I'm like, I know Jason's going to have some, some background in this, like the nonprofit. We have some nonprofit clients. I reach out to him like, Hey, I, I just talked to this nonprofit that needs help. Um, here's what they need. I know, you know, this world. So there's, those maybe Jason didn't make money on the nonprofit or puppets, uh, even though that's very cool. Um, but uh, uh, he does bring those skills and those things to the to the table, just like I do with music or real estate or trucking or whatever, nursing or you know, even the medical field. Like I take those medical classes. We have clients that are in the medical field that I don't really speak their language, but I understand some things, you know, that I wouldn't have understood if I didn't go to college for those classes. So Moral, moral of the story, or not moral of the story, but the kind of to add on to what Jason said, we have such like wide ranges of things we've done that has helped us in our businesses. We have two. You mentioned other one, but I'll, I can add that later. But um, it brings, it helps us become really good entrepreneurs because we have those layers. And I think that's what 
those multiple layers of skills and experiences is, is an element of being a good entrepreneur. I think that's very important. I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, even just working at Starbucks for a little while, Jason, I mean, that in and of itself, you can see how a business runs and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, the cash in cash out, you know, at the end of the day, you're closing down the, the register and, you know, you've got to make sure everything's clean and stocked for tomorrow. And those are really key um, components of how the business runs, right? And you may not use it in your current positions and what you're doing right now, but um, you know how it works and you know how things run. And um, you definitely have that business acumen, right? To kind of help your clients, um, you know, with what they need to do. So, Starbucks does such a good job of valuing their partners. They're not employees, they're partners. And that right there was about my favorite thing about working there. I mean, of course, uh, it helped me uh, enhance my addiction to coffee, but um, I loved working there. But that, that piece of like valuing the people that work for you and with you is a huge piece. And I've never seen it done better anywhere else. And I told you that I worked at churches. Starbucks. Can I ask something about Starbucks? Because I also worked at Starbucks. I'll give you an example of. Uh, you didn't know that? No, I did. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was. I worked at Starbucks for like two weeks. I didn't even finish the training, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Um, I, I I became a full time musician. Started teaching drums full time, but I was so nervous to to do that only as I was like. I, I don't know anyone that makes a living playing music. None of my, my family is very musical, but I'm the only one that's ever made a living full time doing it. But I went into that and everyone thought I was a little crazy to become just a full-time musician. And I thought I was crazy. So I was like, I, what if all my students quit? What am I going to do then? So I went and got a job, even though I just, I had, you know, 40 students, but I went and got a job because I was so nervous that this wasn't going to pan out. I just made, made a little small plan B, not plan B, but like a cushion. And like, I started working at Starbucks and I got like another 10 or 15 students and I had a really, really nasty manager that just didn't like me. So I just, one day I just didn't show up to work. I was like, which is not a thing I would ever recommend to do. do Don't do that. I would (laughs) never do that now, but she was really mean to me. And so I just didn't show up one day. Um, (laughs) So, but the reason I bring that up is um, I was at a, a, coffee shop uh last weekend not this past one but the one before and they were really bad about it. it was like this little small coffee shop nobody wanted to be there none of them wanted to be there and i had to ask hey is this my food hey is this my coffee and like i had to kind of like do one of these where i'm like waving my hands like hi and i want to be i don't want to be the guy that like interrupts people or yells hey because <laughs> no one had name tags i don't know you know i don't know their names but those small details that Starbucks does so well, like name tags, like um, I used to hate being like announcing drinks super loud. I was just like shy about it. I didn't want to be like, you know, venti chocolate chip, you know, like <laughs> just, just felt cheesy doing it. But now I, I last weekend, I remember thinking back like, wow, now I know why Starbucks always made me do that uh, because it was, it's so helpful. I don't have to go and search for, uh, my drink and who made that drink. And literally there was like four people there that, and none of them paid attention to me. They were not friendly. They were, again, 
no, I'm not trying to bag on that uh, coffee shop, but like, just like Jason said, Starbucks does things so well. That's why they're so successful and they're, they're so polished. And it, it just reminded me of that again. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think when you have a business, you know, you have to re- remember that if once you start hiring people, then you have to train those people because they don't come yep. trained. And, um, and some people don't want to be trained, right? Like, don't yeah. tell me what to do. And, but you have to train them. So, yeah. Um, okay. So let's jump over to BuzzHive and you say you have another company. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about BuzzHive, what you're doing now and, um, you know, how you're helping people and, you know, how you work together and, and yeah. So start on that. Who wants so- to go? So I'll tell you what we do uh, now, um, and I might give you a little bit of history of what we did to get to what we do now. But so we primarily offer web design and we offer those in a subscription model. So we have uh, we're pushing 100 proprietary designs that we have that you can uh, get on the subscription, choose your template. We'll put your content in place for you. And you have us on your team to do the work for you. Our mission at BuzzHive is to meet you where you are and grow with you, right? So most people want to come through the door because they need a website. Everybody knows they need a website. And we know there are other options out there where you could do it yourself, but guess what? Then you have to do it yourself. Um, and you have to pay for it and do it yourself. If you're going to pay for it, just let us do it for you because we're experts and we know how to do it. So we've got websites. Then we have online marketing, to just a separate thing. We will market your website. And we do that primarily with, it's a holistic approach. We do it with organic uh, search engine optimization, that's link building, content creation. And then we also um, do paid uh, advertising, primarily through uh, Google advertisement. We'll do Facebook, paid advertisement, lead generation, and that kind of thing. Um, That's pretty much what we offer. Now, uh, again, that's a subscription thing. We do that for everyone. Any mom and pop shop, if you're online, you need marketing. I don't know if you knew that, but you do. Everyone who's online needs marketing. If you have a business online, you need marketing. Okay. It's that simple. Um, But we also work with international companies that aren't exactly using one of our packages that you can find off the shelf of our website. We We create a custom thing for them because they are a custom type customer who also has the budget to pay for that custom um, approach, right? So we have kind of some off-the-shelf type things, but then we also offer that customization. We did not always offer such a simple, clean offering. Uh, When I first started freelancing, because I started BuzzHive before I met Surge and before we incorporated and it all that, but BuzzHive would uh, make business cards for you or a website or do marketing or build shelves for your pantry, or paint your car, uh, you know, whatever, whatever or, people needed. Or make you a venti chocolate chip frappuccino. Absolutely. Yeah. If I could have afforded an espresso machine at that time, I would have made one for you. Um, but, so whatever it was, what happened is, so there's a great book called The E-Myth, uh, Revisited is the one we read. There's an original E-Myth, and then there's E-Myth Revisited, you should go and get that. Um, we'll send you the link. Um, but it's it's all about the e-myth. It's not the electronic myth. It's the entrepreneur myth. And the problem is that technicians like us who know how to do these things think 
the CEO does not trust me or does not value everything that I'm bringing. And so I'm just going to go and do this whole thing on my own. Well, what happens is you don't realize that now if you go, you're not just a technician doing the thing that you like anymore. You're also the HR person. You're also the accountant. You're also everything. You're the janitor. You've got to buy the toilet paper. You've got to put it in place. Just all the things you have to do everything. And that is exactly what that book talks through. They use an example of someone who used to make pies with her aunt and she loved making those pies and she wanted to start a business making the pies. Because of everything else involved in that pie business, she started to hate making the pies Mm -hmm. because she hated running the business because she wasn't equipped well to do that. That book is so good. But so for, so for me, I was a technician for like five clients and that was it. And so I was everything those five clients needed. Well, when one client sold the business to somebody else who already had their technician, they didn't need me anymore. So there went a fifth of my income away. Then when somebody just says, oh, I don't really want to pay anymore. Now that all went away and that was not a good system, right? And so I was completely dependent on everybody else. When Surge and I came together and BuzzHive.net LLC turned into BuzzHive Marketing Inc., um, which is a big deal, um, we started to make a plan and started to get things in place. And so we offered a lot of things and we did all kinds of different things, but we we were smart enough. I don't know if we were smart, but this is just what we did. I think we're smart, but um, we were flexible and we looked at what we did all the time and said, this does not work, you know? And when, when a customer, when, when, if something went wrong with a customer and just in the relationship side, or we did all this work and then they just left, we would have to go back and say, what do we need to do to avoid that in the future? And so we looked at it, figured it out. And that's why what we offer now is, is what people are asking for. We know what people are asking for because it's what they ask us for, right? Um, if somebody asks us three times for something, it becomes a frequently asked question. If they ask 10 times, it becomes a product, right? Yeah. Um, if we want to offer it. But we it took us a long time of, you know, highs and lows and everything to figure out what we offer. And man, what we offer works really great for us and it's what the clients want. And can I add to that? Uh, I think this, when you say the smartest, smartest thing we ever did, it's, it's, I think it's a smart thing for any business to do is to constantly evaluate, reevaluate, and to see, is this something that makes us happy? Does it help our clients? Is our people interested in this? There's many layers to the, the checklist of what do we need to change? Why do we need to change it? Do we need to change it? There's many questions to ask. And I think evaluating and reevaluating, and even now, like, there's things, there are things that we plan on doing this next year, not necessarily changing the offerings that we offer, but the structure of our business is changing. It's evolving. It's growing. Um, and we are adapting to that growth and making sure that we can um, absorb that growth and, and still provide the service that we you know, pride ourselves on. Um, how do we provide it? There's many ways to, there's many avenues to go into. Um, what are the things that make us happy to, to keep doing this business? Cause like you also have to remind yourself that like, you business or any kind of career. I mean, I've toured, I've done music full-time. I've done things that like in theory would be like, that is so awesome. Sometimes those things are awesome. Like making pies is awesome. You just making pies and just cranking those out and you love making pies. But then when you have to do accounting and you have to do hiring and firing and you have to hire the person that cleans your kitchen now and have to deal with developing the, the space for your pie business, all of a sudden making pies is no longer the fun part. Yeah. Um, I went from being a music teacher to then 
to, to starting and growing a music, uh, music school to multi-location music school where being a musician was the last thing on my list at the end of the day. Still loved doing it. Still wanted to do it, but it became a different, it, it evolved into a different thing. Um, so <clears throat> asking yourself, does it make us happy? Isn't always the, the top question, but also keeping that, um, not necessarily happiness, but like, is this healthy for us as a business? Is this making us want to do this? Is it helping us want to chase growth and you know evolution and, and improving our business? Or is this thing that we're doing driving this into the ground and we're no longer happy as partners, as business owners, as whatever service you provide, music, plumbing, tech, you know, podcasting, whatever it is. Is this uh, something that I want to keep doing this way? If not, you have to fig figure something out. Either you need to go a completely different direction or you need to adjust some things to make sure that it's a healthy, a viable uh, uh, product. It's that can we versus should we? Can we? Yes, absolutely. We can We can do anything because Google will tell us how to do it. That is a question but, we ask ourselves all the yeah, time. Sorry. But should we? We used to offer mobile apps because can we build mobile apps? Absolutely. Should we? Absolutely not. Um, not with for, everything. For us. For us. For us. Yeah. I, People need mobile apps. Uh, businesses need mobile apps. You absolutely probably need one, um, but we're not your guys. We can, but that's not what BuzzHive Marketing is. So, yep. Right. So, and I would say with this whole pandemic, I'm sure a lot of businesses, small businesses, the pie maker, you know, someone who make cook, is making cookies and has had this business, now they've realized, okay, I need to get in front of people because they've forgotten that I do this or, you know, they have to get online. Like you're talking about, um, it, it's, you know, it's evolving this whole thing. Like you guys are talking about how you're making changes to your business for this next year. And I'm sure a lot of other businesses are thinking, you know, should we continue or should we hang it up? And, um, it's an interesting time right now. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Serge. Uh, I'll give you an example of that whole, should we continue or, or the pivot? We, we call it a pivot. Mm -hmm. um, I own music schools, right? I own three locations of a music school uh, that I started from one. And when I became partners with Jason with BuzzHive, I, I fell in love with this thing that, that like I learned about through him and we kind of became really good friends and then became business partners. And I really liked doing that. And, but I still was doing music, the music schools. What I re what, we, what we came to realize is that couldn't do both, and I really still wanted to work with Jason, not more or less, but it was like it was calling me. I wanted to do this way more than I wanted to to um, just do the music thing, and but I still wanted to do music. So it, Jason and I both were working on on that business. Jason was kind of like basically the music schools were a client of ours, and me and him had to sit down and and figure out, okay, what do we, how do we make this work in terms of like, we still want to be involved in this business. We really like it. We care about it. We're passionate about it because we're both musicians, but in the current structure, it doesn't work. I'm not giving that business enough attention and um, BuzzHive needs my attention. And it just, the structure was messy. So what we had to do was we had to create a new structure and pivot with that business. And what, what ended up happening is we almost like uh, we're in the beginning phases of a, um, franchise so our business op we, you would call it um uh we sold those schools in, individually to individual owners because 
what, when we sat down, when me and Jason sat down, it was like a six month process of us evaluating and reevaluating what this is, how do we, how do we make it work? And what is the structure that we go? Do we hire people to run it? Do we, you know, sell it completely? Do we, what, there's many ways to cut the pie. Uh, I mean, let me keep using the pie analogy, but what we ended up figuring out is that like the, the best version of that business was when I ran one, I gave it all my attention. Um, I, it was my baby. And when I grew it to three locations and then Buzzhead became my new baby. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just not like it, it, uh, my baby, but like it became a new passion for me. Um, I don't know. There's many, I can talk about that for, 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 for uh, hours, but there are many reasons why that became such a, such a passionate thing for me. Plus why oh, I love working with Jason and we had this new friendship and, and um, like all these goals that were aligning and now we're working together. It was just a, a, a you know, special um, moment in our, both our business lives. And so we had to sit down and evaluate what we need to do that like people are doing during the pandemic. Um, how do we navigate this? So we end up selling the locations and still retaining the control over the brand because we really, we saw that we can do that really well and actually would help the owners. It, it would eliminate the thing that I had trouble doing as an owner. And now the owners run their schools, the schools are thriving, they're growing. We have new locations opening up because we took the piece that we know how to do really well and retain that and retain the control and the health of the, the, the brand. Um, we pr not protected, but like, we take care of it. They don't need to worry about that. We got it for you guys. You guys just run the businesses, deal with the instructors and the students, make the money that you need to make, and then we'll help you and support you in every possible way that is business, marketing, web, consulting. So it has become this, it has evolved into such a healthy model that now people want to join it because they see like, wow, I, I don't have to do all those things and I have to just, just join this family. And then we all work as a community and work together. So a lot of people in the pandemic are starting to realize that like, if you're a pie maker, there people aren't coming to eat pies at your cafe. You have to figure out how to ship those pies or do takeout orders. Or, you know, if you're doing yoga, you got to figure out, you got to buy some cameras and buy some iPads and do some yoga uh, remotely. And what ends up happening is you end up seeing that like when, when the pandemic's over, these things that you have added to your business, like we have, like we, we restructured our business and it, we restructured it and now people want to join it and grow it with us. So the, the schools are dealing with the same thing. They're, they're evolving their businesses. They're having to change the things, but now when the pandemic's going to you know, pass, it will pass. They'll have a new layer of their business that they never had. And they, they now their businesses had, had a, has a new way of not just making money, but reaching clients and providing another service that they never even knew um, they, they were able to provide. Absolutely. So, you know, so I work in a high school, as you both know, and oftentimes students will say to me after I ask them what's going on after high school, oh, I want to become an entrepreneur. And so entrepreneur and entrepreneurship is kind of the new buzzwords, right? For basically starting your own business. Yeah. Um, what, and what you've said so far is, is really great information for, um, people who are, who are thinking about this, what would you suggest for someone who's actually thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, starting their own business? Is there something, is there any one thing that you would suggest? Like, for instance, something I tell students is that 
okay, well, if you're interested in maybe starting a, you know, some kind of food um, business or something, a service, um, go work in that first, go do that and see how the business is run before you jump in, not knowing how to do it and try something. Is there anything that you would suggest to um, young people thinking about um, going into business? Sir, no, I just I, no, no. I just ranted for an hour. So you, you're, you're next. <laughs> okay. So, so experience is the first thing. So there's there's three levels of learning. I'm not going to try to educate anybody <laughs> on that. But that first layer of learning is learning all that vocabulary. Like when you when you're going to go learn an instrument, since we we'll just stay with our same analogies, but if you're going to go and learn an instrument, you've got to learn what the instrument is called, what the parts of the instrument are. If you're going to play guitar, you need to know that this is the neck, the frets are on there. These are the tuning keys. These are the strings. You need to know what the notes of each one of those uh, strings is. You've got to learn all the vocabulary before you can do anything because you can't learn anything if you don't know what the vocabulary is. So working somewhere, getting some experience, that is, um, um, that's some necessary, you have to know the vocabulary part of it first. Um, but then if you're going to go and be your own boss and be an entrepreneur, taking that vocabulary and knowing what that structure looks like. So I worked for that um, woodworking shop that that guy was an awful business owner. And I saw all the holes that were there. Well, so they weren't there for me to model myself after, but I could model myself after knowing what was missing. Right. So when you start a business and this is, this is also another part of that e-myth, but this is something that we put into action for BuzzHive is that, and, and for the music schools, but you need to figure out what roles there are. So maybe you need 19, you've got 19 roles in this business that you're going to start. Well, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to do all 19 of those roles when you start out, right? Yeah, you sure are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so as Serge and I came together, when we first started with BuzzHive, if there were 19 roles, I was probably doing 11 of them and Serge was doing eight of them. It's not like that anymore. It's very balanced now, right? And so we, we share everything as far as the business is concerned, but we know as we grow, what roles we're going to get rid of first and what we're going to hire for or, you know, whatever, replace ourselves with what roles are going to go first. One of the big ones that we don't do, we don't do accounting. Um, we don't do our taxes. We, we do our taxes. We pay our taxes, but, but <laughs> we don't do the work for those because that takes so much away from us running the business and growing the business and all of those things. So, you need to have the vocabulary. You need to have the structure and understand what's there. Don't be surprised by, oh, I forgot I should have somebody over there doing that, right? You need to have that structure in place and know that you're going to be the one doing all of it until you can grow into that where the business actually works for you. We say that all the time. We want BuzzHive Marketing to work for us, not us work for BuzzHive Marketing, right? Um, that is the beauty of entrepreneurship is that the, the business works for you. Then when you kind of get to that next stage of learning of that dialectic stage is the word, but that's where you've, you've grown so much and you know how everything works that you can actually move it forward. So you've, you've got the vocabulary, you've got some experience, you've been running it, you've got 
Um, you've got things in place, you've got your positions uh, and or your different segments out there. Then you can take all that knowledge and make better decisions to trim the fat or to fine tune or say, this is not even what I want to do at all. We're only going to do this piece right here. You can take that good information and make good decisions, which I should have it as a tattoo, but you cannot make good decisions without good information. You don't have good information if you don't have experience and you haven't been doing it. So know that you will fail, but know that you need to be looking for where you're going to fail so that you can make things work the right way. Yeah. And fail doesn't necessarily mean you're out of business. Fail means like we got, we've tried so many different things with the schools and with the marketing company and other projects and other ideas. You just, you have, you're not necessarily failing like at life, but you just, that, that didn't work out as well, as well as we planned. We're going to reevaluate. Right. Um, are you, are you done with your side of it? Because I, sure. I want to add to that. No, I'm done. Go ahead. Uh, I think to be a good entrepreneur, I think you have to uh, I agree with everything Jason said, but I just want to add a few things. Um, you have to be always learning. Like I'm always learning in every every person I meet, every experience I, I come across with business, with non-business, in, in just in life. You just always have to keep your eyes open and your, your mind open to a learning experiences because like my experience at the coffee shop two weeks ago, it was a reminder of like why this is so important customer service in this in this area of this industry, why that's so important. Um, I had a bad, not a bad experience. I'm pretty like, I was I don't really care. Um, I just wanted my coffee. Um, I wasn't upset or anything, didn't give a bad review, but like I just remind, was a reminder, like this is why some businesses excel and this is, and others don't. Um, so always be learning and always be, keep your mind open. Also, uh, something that I've done, and I think Jason has done, just keep saying yes to opportunities and experiences until you can say no to them because you know that like, I, I can no longer say yes. We used to say yes, 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 until our business grew to a point where our life evolved or business life um, to where we have to say no now because we know what we're doing, what direction we want to go. We said yes for so long, we built up this range of things that we offer and then we slowly started cutting the fat, like Jason said, and learning how to say no, not because we don't want to do that or we're jerks, but just we knew that that's no longer going to say, no longer going to help our business progress. That's not the direction we want to go. A, a good, really good, another good, really, really good business book is called Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, or it's referred to as TPE. It changed my life. In one of those books, it says, um, if you keep saying, if you keep being flexible or not like there's a fine balance between being flexible, saying yes and saying no. Um, I know that's like contradiction, contradicting yourself, but I'm going to try to bring it all together. Um, you have to have a backbone uh, or else if you say, if you're constantly bending and flexing, you're, you're going to break. Your business isn't, isn't going to have a direction. But in order to figure out that direction, you have to say yes um, for a while and figuring out when you, when you can start saying no. I know that might not make sense completely, but it does in my head. <laughs> uh, so Go ahead, Jason. Want to add to that? Well, I was just going to clarify on that. You have to be flexible with yourself, right? To say, well, this didn't work, even though I knew it was going to work, but it didn't. You've got to be flexible to readjust on that. But you also have to let things work or, or at least attempt to work. So you can't try something for a month and say, well, that didn't work. I'm not rich now. You've got to let things run their course because, again, you can't make good decisions without good information. You've got to know that it actually for sure worked or for sure did not work. Um, but 
that's you making the decision, not the client um, deciding what you're going to give them, right? You, you say, this is what we offer. And they say, well, we also want this. No, no, no. This is what we offer because otherwise that's how the whole relationship looks, right? And so I'm not saying be a jerk about it. I'm saying make a system. And then if that system doesn't work, then you can be flexible, but not not at the risk of hurting your com- your company just because somebody else asked you to do it, right? However, we have said yes to a lot of things. And then when we realized that that was not for us, we didn't say yes to them anymore. We're not mad we said yes to them in the first place, but we know that we're not going to do it again. It confirmed for us. Yeah. Um, another thing is, is um, the, another good trait for an entrepreneur is to not be so hung up on what success looks like, but be, be more focused on solutions, finding solutions for problems. Like you will be successful if you can solve problems, whether it's in your business, whether it's in an industry, um, you will have problems with your business, with, with um, clients, with being a good problem solver is be, you end up being a good entrepreneur because you'll see problems and those problems will mean business opportunities. Meaning there's a problem, I should solve it. With the music schools, running a music school is difficult because a lot of times it's those technicians that go into it. They're like, I want to run my own music school. I need to figure out a way to make a living after, you know, like my, my planned music career didn't work out, or I just want to do this. There's many reasons why people go into music education. They're passionate about it or both. I mean, they did the touring life or live playing and now they're settling down and want to pass that on to some the next generation and they want to open their own school. Well, it's hard to do that on your own. So we saw uh, an area where we wanted to solve a problem, help musicians and help people that want to be in the music world, run their schools and not worry about all the stuff that, that they're not usually not very good at. Yes, there are exceptions, obviously. But, and then the other problem was we saw a, a gap between franchise music schools and existing franchises and mom and pops. There's, there, were, there were gaps. I don't really want to go into it right now, but there are reasons why we wanted to fit that middle range um, in terms of the structure, in terms of the cost, in terms of the quality. Um, I'm not going to go into that right now, but um, yeah, that's another podcast search. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. can, we could do that. Um, that <laughs> industry, actually we would love to do another episode on just one on the other. Right now we're kind of just talking about our general uh, uh, business um, structure or partnership. Um, so we found a, so we wanted to make us create a solution. And it's now growing. Uh, same with BuzzHive. We saw a, a areas in the marketing and web world that maybe not necessarily a problem because we're not solving tech and marketing, uh, digital marketing, but we saw a problem with how people run marketing companies and take advantage of clients and, and, and just total ripoffs. And because it's such a, it's like a dark art, digital marketing, it's mm-hmm. the interweb, you know, or, or websites. It's like this magical thing and then people know that and then they take advantage of business owners that they know that that person doesn't have an idea, any idea of what marketing is or what it costs or what it is. So what we wanted to do is be very transparent. Our pricing is open. Everything's open. What we do, it's right there. Not many marketing companies or web companies are like that. They're like, well, what kind of website do you need? What industry are you in? Oh, you're a lawyer. Oh, you know, we're going to charge you this price or, oh, you make, um, you know, puppets (laughs) puppets <laughs> you're very cool but uh we'll make it website <laughs> hey you started in the beginning so uh so 
you know, they charge according to the industry. We don't do that. We charge for the service. That's it. No matter what, if you make millions or if you make hundreds of dollars or $10 or are you just doing it for fun? It's the same price marketing and web and it's all transparent and open. So those are the, the, the that's one um, area where I think people can focus less about the money or like the, what success looks like because success could look different in 10 years for you um, as you grow older, you mature, you know, life takes you in different terms. People get so hung up and they want to be an entrepreneur because they, they see the, the cool side of entrepreneurship, but they don't realize that like there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. You have to be so hardworking and so self-motivated that if you're finding, if you're trying to solve a problem, then you'll be, you'll want to wake up in the morning and solve a problem versus like, oh, this is a grind. I didn't realize it's just as bad of a grind, if not more than a nine to five or a career path. That's like, you know, I go to college and I do this career path. It's in some cases, in many cases, harder. There are benefits to it, but it's harder and you have to, there's a reason behind why we're doing it. And that's what helps us kind of chase it um, and not be like, forget this, I'm gonna go work for someone. Right, no, it makes sense. Um, I, I came from a, an entrepreneur background. My dad had his own business. So I understand, you know, the hard work that's involved. I mean, um, you know, it's, he was open Monday through Friday, but he was still going down there on Sundays to get it ready. And, you know, various, you know, it, it's all consuming. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think they see the sexy part of it. You know, we have entrepreneurs in our lives. Um, you know, Richard Branson, he didn't go to college and, and look what he started. Um, you know, Debbie Fields, who started Mrs. Fields, she didn't go to college and she started that whole thing, but it takes work. So I, yes, I totally agree. Two things you said, Serge, I want to comment on. One is solving problems. Um, and I think that goes across the board, whether you are working for yourself or you're working for a, an employer. Um, going to someone and saying, here's a problem is not going to work. But if you say, here is a problem, and this is what I think could be the solution, you will reap the benefits of doing that. And if you're working for someone, you know, for a multinational firm or something, and you're the one that says, okay, this is an issue, but this is what, how I think we could fix this or how we can change it, you're going to rise up. But yeah. if you're always the complainer, like, oh, this is not working, or this isn't going to... People are going to, you're going to get labeled real quick. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the other thing you said that really sparked um, something in me was learning every day. And I think that's so important for people to realize it, from, you know, the age of, you know, one to a hundred, you, it, if you're not learning something new every day, I think you're, you're going to start to get stagnant. And it's really important to whether you're watching the news or you're on social media and you're, you know, checking Twitter and, you know, just even getting outside and, and walking down the street. I mean, you might some, learn something new every day. Oh, that, you know, the Tesla's got a new model out or whatever it is. Yep. Um, super important. And, and not only are you able to talk to people, um, talk with people a little bit better and, you know, have a good conversation. You also just, you're just a little more aware of kind of things that are going on around you. Um, yeah. So super important. And le- learning lessons, uh, those lessons don't always come from like, let's say we're in marketing. I don't only listen to marketing podcasts, but every podcast that I listen to or every show I watch or 
you know, business I come across, I'm trying to learn and say, how can I, oh, this is a really good thing they're doing. Is there a way we can apply that to what we're doing? And sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't, but it comes down, comes around down the road. Like I said, experiences in the past help you with problems or, you know, obstacles in the future that you even expect them to connect. So learning is like just having a mind that's, that's open to learning whether well, you're in church, whether you're watching sports, whatever, wherever environment you're in, just be open to learning. And don't think that like, I can only learn from the top people in my industry. You can learn from Michael Jordan or Elon Musk or um, your friend's dad that's in, in, you know, a carpenter. So you can learn from people just as long as you're, my uncle always said, um, how do you say exactly it? you find opportunity when you're looking for it. So same with knowledge. You, if you're constantly thinking, when I want to learn, you'll find it. You'll see it daily. Well, that's a big piece. This I'm going to give you a, um, a sports refer, uh, metaphor analogy, which is not me because I, I don't know anything about sports. But uh, there's a, I think in football, they tell you to keep your head on a swivel. You just be constantly looking for where that huge linebacker is coming after you, right? Just keep your head on a swivel, which is what we do. We're saying, what is our competition doing? What are our customers asking for? What's Google doing? What are the market trends like? What's happening? That's that's the questions we're asking. But we're constantly looking to figure out how we can do things better, right? When we stop doing mobile apps, it's not because we didn't necessarily didn't like doing them or um, there wasn't a need all of a sudden. We didn't do them because they didn't fit us. And because we were seeing other people doing them better than what we could offer them, it was silly for us to compete in that and put effort towards that. So you have to constantly be keep your head on a swivel looking for those things that you can learn from and then be flexible to say, yep, I see that. And I see that that's not a good fit for us or we need to be moving towards that. So keeping keeping your head on a swivel is, is a great thing. You have to be open to learn and to adjust um, to what's going on. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, I'm gonna challenge you talkers now because you guys like to talk. In 60 seconds, each of you has 60 seconds. I want you to tell me three things and you may have already mentioned these things like Jason, you had said flexible. Mm -hmm. um, three things, three qualities that you think are needed to be successful as an entrepreneur? Um, who wants to go first? And I'm going to time you because if okay. you start rambling, you're, you're okay. getting cut off. I can do two. Did you, just, did you just call us ramblers? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready. You ready? Go. Okay. Uh, you need to be flexible. Hey, that was easy. So you've got to be flexible with your clients, but primarily with the direction you're going. You need to be flexible. Uh, you need to be trustworthy. That goes to the providing a solution, but you've got to be trustworthy. Your job is to not get money from people. Your job is to uh, build relationships. Everything about online marketing for us is building trust. It's building trust with the search engines. It's building trust with clients. It's building trust with people who have come to your site the first time because they don't convert the first time. Then you have to build that relationship. It's all about building trust. And the third one, I can't think of what the third one would be. Um, but I guess it would be have that um, be flexible, but have that um, learning heart, that that ability to soak in information and want to learn. That always quest be for knowledge. Yeah, that quest for knowledge. Always be a student because you don't know everything and you don't know anything about what's going to happen in five years. 
So you always have to be that student and be flexible to do that and be trustworthy while you're doing that. Is okay. That 60 seconds? Very good. Less than 60. Very nice. Serge, you know, you, you got a challenge now. 10. Okay, you ready? Nine. Uh, you have to be crazy hardworking. You have to be. Um, that's just a simple one. You, it doesn't just come naturally. Nothing just comes out of the sky. There's no magic. I'm sorry, but there's no magic. Listen, read the book, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. There's no magic. Um, man, I just had the next one. I just had it teed up in my mind and I forgot about it. Uh, oh, self-motivated. You have to be self-motivated. There's no one. It's You're flexible. You could take uh, the afternoon off if you want, but you're going to reap the benefits of not reap the benefits, but you're, there's a, you're going to pay the price, sorry, um, of taking that afternoon off. So you have to be self-motivated, like, I need to make up for that. Or I'm going to take Friday, Thursday, and Friday off. I'm going to work Saturday and Sunday. Depending on your, on your goals, but you have to be self-motivated. And the last one, how much time do I have? You're good. Keep, yeah, go fast. What did you say? You have to be good looking. Yeah, it's really good looking, really, really funny, um, and very, very humble. Um, <laughs> um, you have to be open-minded as far as open-minded or keep your eyes open to be a good entrepreneur. You have to be looking for opportunities or see where, um, there's a need or a problem or uh, just a straight up business opportunity. So be able to pivot, be able to pivot with your business, know when to either change your business, shut it down, start another one, evolve, you know, bring in a partner, change the name, whatever, Yeah, change the name, evolve, be able to be open to evolution in every sense of it. Um, I'll, I'll add one thing because this is, pretty, I'm pretty much down with my 60 seconds, right? Did I make it? <laughs> I guess. Okay. So uh, there's more things, but top three are probably those and the ones Jason said, but entrepreneurship, I, I don't think you start out being an entrepreneur. You can't be a self-proclaimed like today I'm an entrepreneur. It doesn't work like that. And there's the days, days of Instagram and social media. There's so many people that are putting out that kind of content, but they're really not entrepreneurs. They're, they're, they're kind of faking it. And I'm not saying that, you know, more power to them. Fake it till you make it, whatever. Um, get your money. I don't, I don't care how you do it or what you're doing, but I didn't start out as an entrepreneur. I started out doing jobs and trying to start businesses and trying to create opportunities for myself, uh, trying to solve problems, chase dreams, chase goals. Entrepreneurship or that title, I, it took me a while to start saying that. I just felt like I wasn't there yet. I didn't feel like I earned that title. You, that's a title that you earn um, developing businesses, growing businesses. Uh, it could be just one industry. It could be one business that you maybe invest money into other businesses, but entrepreneurship starts to stops from the, the, the goal or the root of solving problems, creating opportunities, chasing goals, like meaning business goals or, or opportunities. Um, so it, you don't start off like that. Start off, like I said, um, chasing those goals and trying to solve those problems and then the entrepreneurship element will just evolve and you'll evolve into that. Okay, that's good. Very good. And that I think- like three minutes, but sorry. No, I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was done with my three. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to add that one thing, because I- Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. You, guys are, you have to be aware you of your surroundings too. Okay, like where's the hook? We gotta pull him <laughs> off. 
No, I feel like you guys are teaming up against me. <laughs> hey guys, thanks a lot. This has been a really good conversation and I think it's going to be important for anyone considering, um, you know, saying I'm going in to be an entrepreneur. They need to think twice about, you know, saying that. I think it's, it's they're going to have to really figure out how they're going to get to that point. It's a point you get to. It's not how you start. It's not for the faint of heart, for sure. Exactly. 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 So thanks. Yeah, we hate it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's the worst. Don't do it. Don't do it. I can tell. Thanks for taking the time today. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for having us. That about wraps up this episode of Talk Shop Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And check out my website at www.talkshoppodcast.com for additional info, articles, and resources. You can always send me questions and comments through the contact form. And if there's a specific career you'd like to hear about in the future, please let me know. Until next time, get out there take a chance and talk with people because you never know who you will meet.